0: This is the Milo Beasley Show, this is the Milo Beasley Show, there's only one thing you need to know, this is the Milo Beasley Show, and now, here's your host, Milo Beasley.
1: And welcome to the Milo Beasley Show, episode number 361. Uh, so, so many, so many episodes. Uh, I'm super excited for our next guest. Um, uh, we might have to put a, um, a warning label on this. We don't know yet. Uh, we don't know how things are going to go. So please help me welcome at this time. The Jersey outlaw, Jimmy Lee. How are you doing? How you doing Milo? Uh, Jersey outlaws in the house and
0: thanks for having me very much appreciated.
1: Uh, of course I'm super excited to have you on, um, uh, talk about, uh, so many things, uh, uh your career where you started and of course obviously uh dangerously funny but I, I have to ask so besides being a comedian you're you're also a dentist? Yes, believe it or not. Um my real job is a dentist
0: and my my job that I love, because it's the passion from my heart is is comedy. It's been since I've been a little kid,
1: believe That's, it or not. Uh, I can tell you, uh I have uh many friends who are in the professional wrestling business and it's pretty much in the independ along the uh, independence, it's kind of the same way you have your your passion, um, you know, job, which is the wrestling. Uh, but then you also have to have something that, that pays the bills, pays the bills. That's
0: it right there. Exactly. That's the dentistry.
1: Yep. Uh, so were you a dentist or a comedian first?
0: Well, I was a dentist because I grew up, went through school and became a dentist. And believe it or not, Milo, I was doing music. Uh, professionally and open for some some big big names um and then i just didn't drive enough um in terms of getting noticed enough and famous so we switched off to comedy which i do think is a better fit for me but i did music about 10 years and i've been doing comedy for about eight or nine now believe it or not but i've been funny since i was a kid so i officially started
1: but mm. did you sing did you like did you play an instrument
0: so, I'm a piano player, guitar player, and I'm a songwriter. So, I did uh, music with Dave Ivory back from 2004 to 2013. We had a couple songs on country radio, and we opened for ZZ Top, we opened for Thorogood at the House of Blues, and we opened for the Kentucky Headhunters. But it didn't drive enough um, notoriety, and because I'm a I have histrionic personality disorder. I have to be in the center of the attention all the time. I had to find another avenue. By accident, I ended up in comedy, almost by a fluke. But it ended up being a good fluke. Did you so that's kind to, of what happened.
1: Did you go to like, uh, like one of those uh, open, open mic nights? or, or Well,
0: did... I was doing a music show in, in Philomena's in Berlin. And uh, Patty, who runs the show, says, "Oh, will you meet Kenny Camp. He's a comedy booker. I go, what do I want to meet Kenny Camp? He goes, she goes, Well, you're just funny. Just go meet him. So I meet him and I go, Do you guys have open mics? He goes, Yeah, do you want to try and I go, I do. So I went in 2013 just as a joke. And the guy said to me at the end, How long have you been doing comedy? I go, I haven't been doing comedy. I that I just came up as a joke. He goes, You're actually pretty good. So based on that statement, I started Milo's doing stand-up comedy for four years and then moved over to the street comedy on YouTube, which brands better and gets me more views and it's got me uh, more branding and notoriety. So it, it kind of is like a journey by things happen by accident. You know what I mean? It's kind of, that's how it happened.
1: Uh, oh, believe me. That's how, that's how this show happened is, is by accident. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you go with the flow. Absolutely. So you said you're always funny. So were you were you that funny kid in class that would always try to make your classmates laugh? or I was you know? the
0: guy that was the funny guy and in grade school was in the hall for being disruptive and, you know, had no filter. And it's basically carried off into my adult years. And, and when I do street comedy, what makes it funny is it's shock comedy. Nobody's going to do what I do and say what I say. And that's the beauty of it. And now with the culture being so politically correct, it makes it even more shocking. So that's more, uh, entertaining and, 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 and people like it more than if I do a standup show, I can do a standup show, but it doesn't drive views and people don't like it as much when I go on the street and, and heckle people and insult them and make fun of them and, you know, just act crazy. I'm, it seemed to pick up a lot of steam for me and the social media this year has gone through the roof. I mean, that's kind of really what's happened this year. We shot a lot in Hollywood and, uh. We just this year kind of blew in social media on the uh, TikTok and the uh, YouTube and the, and the Instagram. It really shot up for us. We, we've been working very hard. at. It. It's not like it just came to us. But, uh, you know, we've been putting in a lot of time this whole year since February.
1: So what made you do that switch besides obviously that it was like what what was the first uh, inclination that made you say, Man, maybe we should try the, the street comedy stuff. Maybe we should try the YouTube stuff as opposed to... Well, to I, the I,
0: yeah. I noticed like in 2016, I'm watching social media and I'm realizing all well, these people on YouTube, they're making money and what are they doing? So some of them are doing really stupid videos. I would put a stand-up show up and Milos, I would get 242 views. So I went out and I don't even remember where I did it first, whether it was in Atlantic City, New York. I went up and I told my guy, let's just put me in the leather coat and glasses and, and let's go out on the boardwalk or Times Square and let's do Don Rickles on the street. And it just happened to work. So we kept doing it and we developed. And now we're in season six. We've been doing it since 2016. In COVID, we went to London. We shot in COVID, Milos, and the best joke I did was in England where I said, you guys are English, eat the goddamn muffins. I'm going to call the queen. And every time I did that joke, they liked it. So now I have a new joke. So a lot of it happens just by accident, by by just, you know, experimenting and trying different things and kind of going with what works, to be honest.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask was during, you know, COVID times, during quarantine, when you, you know, you're already starting to establish yourself, especially on the social media, all of a sudden the world gets shut down. And I go to England. What do you do? How do you? So the English people,
0: they're they're very proper. So it says, you guys, uh, you know, you got to go to the dentist. You got bad teeth. And they're looking at me like, what? I says, guys, I'll walk down the street. Here's the credit card. Go get your teeth clean and get a a filling done. It's on me. And, and, you know, they're proper. And some of them, like, really liked it. And some, you know, they get offended, which, you know, the reactions that they do are priceless. And that's what kind of makes a lot of my comedy work. It's unscripted. And people don't expect it, you know. People don't expect you to go up to an Egyptian guy and, and tell him the Parkers camel went in a no parking zone. They don't say that. I say that. And that's what. That's why it's funny. It's crazy.
1: Now so you're on. That's me. You're on season six now. You're filming season six of Dangerously Funny. Yes. Um. And, and uh. So did you was was that the stuff that you filmed in Hollywood, or are you filming uh other stuff other stuff uh other so. Movies?
0: We, we made a decision this year to go to California because of the metrics and the key performance indicators are better there. And, and we did a shoot in uh, February, and it did so good. We went back mid-March and mid-May and did more shoots. And then we did a shoot in um, New York in July. And all the videos are getting 50, 60,000 views and uh, people recognizing me more. We did a fanfare September 17th in New York. We had over 1,000 people come out to yeah. see me. I mean, as I said, these social media numbers are great, and I'm getting more known. So the branding is working. But I got to tell you, the hours, Milos, that we're putting in are tremendous. And now I have a social media team of about four people. I just hired a publicist who you know, because that's why I'm on your show. And thank you, Roger, for the uh, the show. <laughs> So uh, we're putting a, a team together to to help me grow and brand it and hopefully one day get lucky enough and get big. I'm working real hard. And I, I, I you know, I, I studied that Asian comedian who's a medical doctor. And, and they said, why do you want to do comedy? And he said, it feels good. And it's my joy. And the medical job wasn't bad, but it was boring. And I, and I said, you know, I feel the same way. My dentistry makes me good living, but it's boring. And. As I'm getting older, my my self my self satisfaction is really coming from entertaining people, making people happy, right. and it makes me feel good. I'm not doing it for any money. I'm doing it because it's coming from my heart, and I really like doing it. And that Asian guy, I don't know his name. He was in one of those movies, The Hangover. But ah. what he said was so true. It was so true what he said because I feel the exact same way he does. I'd like to meet the guy one day because he's a doctor like me and he's a comedian. But he. Right. But he, but he did what he really wanted to do when he got lucky enough to hit.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned yeah. uh, you being recognized more and more. Have you, have you been recognized while doing dentistry? And somebody looks at him and goes, Hey, aren't you the guy from the video? From
0: H3, three, H3. Three, yeah. I have patients, a handful, young, young people, because H3, H3's fans are millennials, that'll go, They'll look at you and you go, Wait a minute, are you the guy from H3, the dentist? or I'll be eating in the diner and a guy will walk by and go, I got to get a picture with you. I know you're from Ethan and Hilla, you know, so I get noticed more. And and H3, you know, H3, they've been a a big help because they are very branded and very big. And when I'm on a podcast, they get uh, about 100,000 people watching and they end up getting over a million views. So I want to say thank you to Ethan Hill and Zach and Cam and the whole gang there for being yes, supportive. How and, did you get and,
1: involved with the H3 guys in the first place?
0: Um, somebody years ago sent them a video when we did we did this thing Milo, it was called the One f Up Dennis where I wrote skits and I hired people to perform the skits and we filmed it. It was like a Monty Python spoof skit, but it happened to hit big on YouTube and someone sent him that and he got a kick out of it and he He made a reaction video called one freaked up Dennis and he got in touch with me and we started, I met him in New York at a restaurant in 2014. We had lunch and I was insulting the servers and making fun of his wife. And we started a relationship and it's been ongoing and I've been lucky enough to be on the podcast. I was on this year, like a lot of times and now they're really big. They have a a company called Teddy fresh where they sell clothing and they've been kind enough to continue to have me on. And, and, you know, I'm a good guy deep down. They know my comedy is, is for fun. They know that's not really me. And Ethan, Ethan, I know deep down loves me. The fans get a little bit upset with me sometimes because they're snowflakes and they get offended by a little thing. But that's the value of me. That's what I do. That's my comedy stuff. You can't change an artist, ask right. them to, to do something they don't do. So
1: that's kind of, I got involved by them also by a fluke. Hey, the flukes are, flukes are good. Do you find it, as, as you're saying, uh, do you find it difficult to not be politically correct during these times? Do you, do you worried about being canceled? Well, well, <laughs> cancel culture. They say, I, I say that's me. So
0: I think like this, um, if you, if you studied Don Rickles metrics, he always said at the end, you know, uh, you know, if I offended you or anything, I'm sorry. I'm just here to laugh at people. This is my shtick. And he kind of told people, he loves people. He likes to have fun with people. And I kind of feel the same way. I don't mean any harm but the comedy I like to do, I want to try to keep that old-style comedy alive, which is that insult style, the one-liners Dangerfield did. Red Fox was a little politically incorrect back then. He was back then, Triple X, And I feel an obligation almost to keep that stuff alive for some of the older folks and even some of the millennials who, who don't, don't know that kind of comedy because we don't want that comedy, Milos, to really be forgotten. It's too good. It's like those Dean Martin roasts. Remember the old Dean Martin roasts? like them yeah that was priceless those roasts yeah
1: um now while while filming dangerously funny while doing your your street work um are you ever afraid of being hit by anybody (laughs) well that's why we have the security guards
0: and they're big dudes and um once in a blue moon you encounter somebody, but I got to be honest with you, when you're filming and they see all the cameras and have photographers, they know you're doing a shtick. So most of them want to come over and they want to engage you because people like to be involved where there's action and where there's FOMO and where there's energy and, and charisma and love. And, and so most of the time, no.
1: Right. Like when you go to a, a Jeff Ross show, you know what, you what know to expect. you right. want to be part of the show, essentially. Right.
0: Right. Like when he calls people on stage. Right.
1: Right. Um, I have to ask about the, uh, bandito girls. Um, the the models. Yeah. Your, your models, your bandito girls. Uh, at what point when you were explaining this to your wife, (laughs) like, Oh, I'm gonna have these girls with me. How did that go over? So what happened with that was
0: uh, we started working with models when we did music. And because, my wife is Asian and she's very pretty. I like an ethnic woman, like a Spanish Asian woman. So we came up with a certain look, which would be a Spanish mixed Asian woman, busty, black hair, medium height, like a promotional style model. Right. So what we did was in 2011, we started writing poker songs and we got invited to a lot of poker events. And we had to bring models with us. And, you know, I had to come in with my letter code and glasses. They played the songs at the events. So then we started really using the Bandito Girls as, you know, eye candy when I would do these poker events. We did a lot of them from 2011 to maybe 2017. And then they just got tiring to do. They were fun. They give you chips to play with. You get press out of it. You don't get paid. But they're very entertaining and fun. So we used the Bandito Girls a little bit milos when we started the comedy but what i started to learn was i'll tell you the funny thing i'm with the models doing comedy everybody's coming up to the models taking pictures and i said i think i'm gonna try security guards and every time i'm with two security guards everybody goes up who's he i know he's famous who is he so i said to my production team we're working with security guards now we're not working with models anymore because it brands me better Right. You know what I mean? So if I'm looking at metrics and what's working best for me. And it wasn't the models. And we don't, Milos, work with the models anymore. We work with guards.
1: Right. Which, uh, again, uh, makes sense. So uh, prior to uh, coming on air, we, we talked about uh, comic conventions and you got to do New York Comic Con this uh, yeah. last month. Uh, yeah. How was how that experience?
0: It's a lot of fun. It's there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of people, and because uh, we promoted it on social media, we had over a hundred people come up to me with pictures, and they wanted, you know, they wanted to talk to me, and um, it was fun. And as I was telling you off air, I think it's perfect for you. Uh, the people want to have fun. They're dressed up, and it's packed with people. The energy, the FOMO in it is incredible. And uh, my production team had said the New York and the San Diego ones are the best ones. So. I'm definitely going to go back to the New York one next year. You should go. You go. Uh, I'll meet oh, you there.
1: I want to. I oh well. I, if if I can make it, uh, I will. Uh, I will be there. Yes, I definitely yeah. want to get up to uh, New York. I've done a couple of their other shows, uh, like Chicago and uh, Emerald City, and uh, they were a lot of fun. A lot of people. Um,
0: yeah, the energy and you being a wrestler, being known, the energy is even better when you, when you are somebody because people want to gravitate to you and they want to hang with you and take pictures and it just makes it fun. It really Absolutely. does.
1: I'm excited for, I got some coming up, uh, this weekend, uh, doing, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, oh, I'm cool. some, and, uh, I have Columbus, uh, Columbus, Ohio in December coming up with a, a company called GalaxyCon. Um, cool. So you're doing them. Yeah. It's going to be a, a fun, fun time. Uh, one thing I want to uh, dive into, Uh, yes. It's called the Milo Beasley show frequently asked questions. Uh, and these are going to be the same five questions that I asked to all my guests. Um, no right or wrong answers. Uh, theoretically, I guess, I mean, I guess they could be wrong and you could just, and I would never know. Uh, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Question number one, what was the first concert you ever attended?
0: Um, probably either the Doobie brothers or Bachman Turner overdrive back in the seventies,
1: those are eight seventies.
0: Yeah. They were my, in fact, when I played in my high school band, we did a lot of songs from both those bands.
1: They were big bands in the
0: late seventies.
1: Yeah. I've seen, I've seen the Doobies, but I have not seen BTO.
0: So BTO they had let it ride. You ain't seen nothing yet. Take it. They were a great band and they were like, and Randy had a
1: great solo career.
0: Randy, yeah, but before that, he was with the Guess Who when the uh, other guy was a lead singer. I forget his name, but he was a guitarist, and he's a phenomenal guitarist, Randy Bachman.
1: Absolutely. And he
0: as songwriter, too. Him and C.F. Turner, they wrote a lot of songs together, and I like that band.
1: Absolutely. Uh, same. Uh, yeah. We- Do you believe in ghosts?
0: No. only Only at the Haunted Mansion at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> when I take my family... <laughs>
1: Right there with you. All right. Uh, in a uh, little twist of a common question, in a movie yes. about your life, who would play your parents? Who would play my parents?
0: That is a very valid question. I have no idea. Um, probably Alan and Alder could play my dad or Frank Gorshin because he looked like my dad. But Frank Gorshin probably because Frank Gorshin would do the Burt Lancaster. I go, ha, ha, ha. ha. So and my dad was kind of funny and comical. So uh, we would have Frank Gorshin play in my dad. My mom was a pretty brunette, smart, kind of dignified and you know, intelligent, college educated. I don't know who would play her. Maybe, maybe like Audrey Hepburn, somebody, you know, like that. I don't know. You have to understand this question came as a missile to me. So I'm I'm throwing out darts. <laughs> but that that would be my first inclination.
1: Uh, question number four. Who was your first celebrity crush?
0: Marie Osmond when I was 16. I remember that. Isn't that funny you asked that? That's
1: a that's a good one. I can totally I can see that one
0: because I always liked dark haired ethnic looking women where they were Italian, Spanish, Asian. So she was dark haired, and really pretty on a show. And I used to Tell my mom, God, she's so pretty. I'd like to meet her. And I was like a little kid. (laughs) But you didn't ask me who my favorite two entertainers were when I was a kid. You didn't ask me that one.
1: Well, who are you? Who were your two favorite entertainers? Tom
0: Tom Jones and Don Rickles.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I can uh, can definitely understand the Don Rickles. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And Tom Uh, Jones because he had charisma at the wazoo when he was Uh, young.
1: A hundred percent. And speaking of meeting people, whether it's been... Um, again, uh, you played for a a lot of, uh, with a lot of famous bands. Uh, you've been out in Hollywood, Vegas. Uh, have you had that one fanboy moment where you saw a celebrity and you couldn't speak or you spoke too much and you put your foot in your mouth and you'd made a fool of yourself? Um, no, I, I, uh -uh.
0: I can't think of that because i'm just so crazy off the wall and fun and nuts that nothing stops me there's no filters so i was never like baffled now never really baffled but i've met a lot of celebrities and famous people and being around my wife and her family i've met a ton of really affluent successful people through my career and um i've been fortunate and blessed you know with success and uh, hard work and perseverance and all
1: that. So, but never, never, Milos have been kind of baffled. No, to be honest. Oh no, no pro- uh, do you ever get? Have you ever been able to kind of do your act in front of in front of a, in front of a, a celebrity and, and, and basically and roast and roast them? Um. No, I don't no. think I have. Let me think. I don't think I've
0: done that. Nope. To be honest, I'm answering you honestly.
1: Do you <clears> think you, uh, you know, on those roast shows, uh, do you, do you think you would be successful? Like, uh, Jeff Ross has been, uh, Oh on yeah. Those
0: yeah. I could roast, I could roast anybody. You know, if you gave me Rocky Stallone, I would say, you know, he got that role in Rocky. The guy told him to say his vows. He said, Hey, I owe you. He said, you got the job. You know, it was John Travolta. I would say this Saturday night fever is nothing like my Sunday morning rash, John. But I'm shook up. I'm all shook up. Call Elvis. So I could come up with a line no matter who the celebrity is and have fun with it. And I think right. they'd get a kick out of it because they know I'm kidding. I'm just having fun. But right. have I done that? No. But could I do it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, you you uh, talk about coming up with lines. Do you – so everything that you do is, is off the cuff, uh, non-scripted. Or do you have – have you thought of lines? Have you have you scripted out lines that you're like, oh, yes. I like to use this.
0: So I'll I will script lines ahead of time, and they're in my back pocket. But because I'm good at this, they'll look like they're off the cuff. Like if I go up to an old Jewish lady, I'm going to know the answer to this question. I'm going to say, "Where's your husband?" She's going to say, "He's dead." I'm going to say, "How do you know he's not hiding?" I already know the answer. You see, so I wrote that one. <laughs> you know, or if I see a Chinese guy, I say, "Sir, a little less starts on the collar, please." You know. So I have one script that I use, and then I'll come up off the cuff if I see, like I came up with something funny in the summer. There's a pretty girl I'm kidding with in New York. I said, you know what nine out of people in New York City like? She said, what? I said, not you. Now that was unscripted, but because it was right so funny off the cuff, she's just the FOMO and it was so good. She just died laughing and it was really funny, but it was an unscripted skit. Sometimes they are unscripted because I can look Milo's at a situation and I can figure out very quickly. I'm very good at improv comedy and figuring out what to do. You see? Do you
1: but you have I do. A, a favorite mm-hmm. line or a favorite moment to where, like, that it was unscripted or that you hit a line and you were like, wow, that was really good. Like the one that stands out. Well, <laughs> I, did, I
0: did this one thing once. I'm on a poor Atlantic City and it was a black guy. And uh, he had this real white, bright outfit on. And I said, nice you to come out in your pajamas. And the guy almost died. he had a drink. I, he, I think him or his girlfriend. But I said, the cotton candy machine opens in about a half hour. I'll take you over. And it was unscripted. And I got to tell you, me, loose. They're, they're the best ones, the unrehearsed, unscripted ones, where you visually look at something, you know, and you make a joke. And right. it's funny because it's kind of true, you know. And they know, again, you're kidding and you're having fun. So, you know, it's, it's not like they're mad at you. You know right. what I mean? And I've had a lot of those nice, cool moments.
1: I think my favorite was uh, when you were, you were talking to a group of women and you said, oh, you're, you're rather attractive. And she said, thank you. And you said, well, I'm also legally blind, so there's that. <laughs> um, you like that, that one? Really, really good.
0: Did you see the one where I went up to the lady in New York? I said, you want to get married? You take me. And I said, I'll take a vacation.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: I did so, see that
1: one. Do you feel, yeah. do you feel that... Um, Women or men react better to getting roasted in these. So
0: you cannot insult a fat woman. And I learned that the whole way, but you can insult a fat guy, but you can't insult a fat woman. So I can go up to the guy in Hawaii, in New York. And I say, uh, you know, I bet when you get a shoe shine, you got to take the guy's word for it. And he laughs. And if I say to a fat woman, stay out of the buffet, they want to beat you up. They hate you. So with women, they're a little more fussy and uh, you got to be a little more careful with women, especially the millennial women. But the older people love me and the blacks and Italians adore me. They love me because I know my fan base.
1: Right. Uh, So, so
0: guys are easier to hit and they, they, they know you're having fun. Yeah. By a mile than women.
1: Uh, So what's, what's next for you? Uh, Obviously you said you're, you're filming, you know, uh, dangerously funny, but, but what else is coming up for you? So
0: we hired Roger our social media team's driving the, the, uh, the social media channels real strong. And we, uh, we're on Newsmax this Thursday through uh, a friend of mine in New York who's behind the scenes, um, which is a um, cable channel.
1: Right.
0: And according to them, a couple hundred thousand people watch it. We have, I think, a five to seven minute interview Thursday morning. I don't know what time, but uh, that's going to be something fun. And they're going to tell me tomorrow, which is Wednesday, kind of, you know, what to do. They're going to give me an idea the questions and all that. And uh, there's two hosts The guy told me. So I think what we're doing, Milos, is we're trying to work with social media people, publicists, and get our name out there more so we can get more famous because we have enough content. And my right. business guy said, Jim, you have the content. You're funny. You know how to do this. You're a pro. Get out there and let the whole world know about you. And I'm so appreciative you thought enough to have me on because, you know, when you're a little guy, you know, Milo, you can count your friends on one hand if you're lucky. And when you're famous, it's a different ballgame. So I want to say thanks for, you know, having me on. And I want to thank Roger for reaching out to you and and having me on, too. Uh,
1: So for folks that are looking to find you on social medias, uh, again, you're. you're, uh...
0: So the YouTube, you just Google Jimmy Lee, the Jersey Outlaw. That's YouTube. The TikTok, there's two accounts. One is the Jersey Outlaw and one is Real Jimmy Lee. Okay. And Jimmy Lee is J M M I E. And the um, Instagram is the Jersey Outlaw. And uh, we post every day and we have people doing meme images on Instagram. And they're very good. They're young girls. And I got to tell you, Carly and Olivia, they knock it dead. And Megan and Mason, there's four of them and, and they do a great job. And and they're, they're kids and they like, they, they like, the stuff I do, when they believe in me, and you know, you're. I realized by entertainment, after a while, you kind of need a team of people, you can't do everything by yourself. You can be the entertainment, be funny, but you right. can't do all the back end stuff,
1: right? Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, uh, speaking of, of things coming up, uh, you'll be uh, on my BFF, uh, my BFF, uh, Kid Cadets. You'll be on her show coming up Tuesday, November 22nd uh, on her page on talk culture. Uh, you can find all that information on, uh, on talk culture's, uh, social media pages. Uh, you're going to have a fantastic, fantastic time on the talk culture show. I promise you, I promise. Cool. Any, any enlightening things I, I, I need to know about that ahead of time. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a fun, it's going to be a fun, uh, interview. It's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great atmosphere. There's going to be a little, a little game similar to my frequently asked questions that she does with all her guests. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, a fun, it'll be a fun show for you.
0: Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Roger's got me on some nice podcasts in the next couple of weeks and very appreciative again that you were nice enough to have me on.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad. So before we wrap up, any last words for our uh, folks watching at home? Uh,
0: stay tuned to Dangerously Funny Season 7. We do have plans next year to do a lot of stuff in Hollywood. We're already going through dates and times. Uh, right now, what we're doing, uh, Milos, is we're more in promo mode through the fall. And we'll start to set up a shoot schedule probably in February. And we're looking to start shooting in March. And so far, according to all my team people, my video people, production people, we're looking at starting our shoots in Hollywood, Venice, Santa Monica. We seem to get a lot of bumps there, a lot of press with Hollywood Times and other people. So we're really geared up to, to head out there next year. That's our goal right now.
1: That's great. Uh, well, thank you uh, so much for, for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, You're welcome,
0: Bonnie. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you all for for watching. Uh, whether it's on the YouTube, the podcast, uh, wherever you're watching or listening, uh, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. But most importantly, tell your friends. Uh, that'll be work it. with me. Um,
0: That's my famous quote. Work with me. <laughs> work yes. Work with, <laughs> work with me. Zach likes that from H three.
1: Work with me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Until next time. Uh, yeah, I think that'll do it. All right. All right. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Everybody, have a good day. night. Yep.